Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the mobile studio deep in the heart of a very wet and very unpleasant North Yorkshire, England. (laughs) Oh boy, I said on my other podcast, Gareth's Waste of Time this week, that this is turning into the summer that wasn't. (laughs) I know we joke about the great British weather, but really this is taking the mickey. (laughs) Can it only be April when we were talking about... Uh, this area of the UK being declared officially under uh, suffering drought conditions. How ironic then that <laughs> that June uh, was officially the wettest June recorded uh, since since records began. Um, <clears throat> it's been almost constant rain. It's been rain nearly every day. That the nice dry sunny days have well, you could probably count on one hand. It's been absolutely crap. It's it's meant that, you know, th- this time of year we should be getting out and enjoying the countryside, enjoying the summer, enjoying the nice weather, going to the seaside and doing all that good sort of summery stuff. Barbecues, all that business. Cutting the grass at the weekend. Nope. <laughs> Nearly none of it. <laughs> Our back garden looks like a field. <laughs> we need, I was just joking this morning, we need a couple of sheep out there to graze because I'm certainly not getting out there with our electric lawnmower no way it's like a bog uh yeah so sorry to start with a whinge but my god the weather's been appalling i know we talk about the weather a lot on here but seriously (laughs) so it's been uh it's been raining pretty torrentially all morning and um what time is it now it's about one o'clock at lunchtime and uh of course i've slipped out into the mobile studio to um put a podcast uh, down for you. Uh, it's been a while since we did a rewatch podcast. Once again, I, I'm really slacking this year, and I do apologise. It's becoming a regular fixture, as regular as me talking about the weather, is me apologising for the length of time that passes between podcasts. But uh, I'm back now, and I was determined to get uh, get one out there before next week. Um, now. You may not all follow the podcast on Facebook or Twitter, so you won't know this, but I've got another interview lined up. Um, Hopefully, uh, now I say hopefully because there are one or two personal things going on in my life that um, may mean that I have to postpone it. Um, Not going into details, of course, but uh, I've got an interview lined up with another actor from Dexter. Now, the identity of this actor could be considered a spoiler. (laughs) Uh, He turns up in season six, so if you're not up to date with the show, um, you may not want to know about this guy and you may not want to listen to the interview because to talk about, to talk to him about Dexter will mean talking about stuff that happens in season six. Um, So when I do put the podcast out there, I will introduce it with a bit of a spoiler warning uh the actor's name is josh cook now on the face of it that's no spoiler those of you who are up to date with the show will know who he is uh, he plays a, a character <laughs> in uh, in season six shall i say the name of the character it's not really a spoiler because if 
you're only into sort of season two as far as we're up to with the um, with the rewatch, then uh, you won't have a clue who I'm talking about. He plays Lewis Green. There, I said it in season six, and um, possibly season seven. Um, of course, it's not aired yet, and no spoilers for season seven. Um, but yeah, I've lined up a chat with Josh, who has very kindly agreed to come on and. Um, talk to me about his role on the show and I'm sure we'll talk about his career and what other stuff he's got going on but this is where you guys come in if there's any questions you wanted to put to Josh about him his career his character about his thoughts on the show in general now I should just say I do not know whether he is historically a fan of the show um, as actors do they come and go from shows and they may not they may not actually be a, you know, a fan of the show. Let's face it, we don't all like every show, do we? Um, we can't possibly. So it may be that uh, you know, if we ask him general questions about the show, he may not um, have much of an opinion on it. But hey, there's no harm in asking. And I will <laughs> we'll clarify with him early on whether he is up to date with the show and whether he's been a fan of it historically. Um, so yeah, if there's anything you want to ask... Josh, or you want me to ask on your behalf, then please drop me a line. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Or you could phone through a voicemail if you like. In the US, it's 646 222 6122. Or in the UK, it's 0844 579 6949. And with the UK number, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. You could also email me. I've already said email, haven't I? Twitter, <laughs> at Dissect Dexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. Now, like with the David Zayas interview, I will try to ask as many questions as I possibly can. Uh, depending on the flow of the conversation, I'll have to kind of go with it, and I may not be able to ask every question that I receive, but I will do my best to get through uh, the, the questions that you ask and, uh, and credit you as much as I can. So thanks in advance. Anyone, I, I have already had a, a few questions from you guys. Um, so, yeah, anything gratefully received. I'm also hoping to line up another interview very soon. I've got to ring uh, the person concerned, excuse me, um, and just have a little chat with him before scheduling it. I think he, to be fair, he may just want to make sure that um, that I'm for real and uh, you know, a genuine podcaster and genuine fan of the show, which I can quite understand. Uh, the person concerned is Steve Schill, who is a regular director on Dexter. He's directed some very iconic episodes. Um, and I'm looking forward to speaking to him uh, to get the director's perspective on the show and to get a bit more insight into the creative process of making an episode of Dexter. So that definitely opens up the floor for some more varied, different questions to those that we might ask one of the actors. So again, as I say, it's not been confirmed yet. I am going to be having a chat with him uh, off the record uh, and hopefully we'll be doing a, a recorded interview with him for the podcast fairly soon. Uh, I will update Facebook, the Facebook page. Go onto Facebook, look for Dissecting Dexter and you'll find it. <laughs> uh, I'll update Facebook or Twitter or both, um, with news about that in due course. But in the meantime, if there's any questions you want me to ask Steve on your behalf, uh, then please do. Obviously, we can't be asking for spoilers, and I certainly won't be asking for spoilers. Um, but, yeah, go for it, guys. Anything you want me to ask for you. Thank you very much. Okay, so I'll crack on with the episode. Uh, I've 
Well, what are we up to now? Seven and a half minutes for this intro. Although I did have those two announcements to make about interviews. I wanted to... That's another reason for getting this rewatch podcast out there. I wanted to reach some of the listeners who don't subscribe to the Twitter feed or don't visit the Facebook page. You may have no clue of what interviews are coming up. So um, any of you guys want to contribute, you're very welcome and thank you very much. Right, let's crack on with the rewatch. We are... Ooh, we're nearly a quarter of, a way of the way from the end of Season 2. We're Season 2, Episode 9. The episode title is Resistance is Futile. The original air date is the 25th of November, 2007. The episode written by Melissa Rosenberg and directed by Marcos Siega. Who, incidentally, I'm hearing a lot about at the moment because uh, I believe he's directed the pilot of a new show from Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, I believe, if if memory serves. Uh, and I think he was involved with... Was he involved with Buffy? The, the TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I may be remembering that little bit completely wrong, but he certainly wrote Scream, and um, oh, he's got quite a long CV on uh, on IMDb. But I'm I'm hearing things about Marcos Siega having directed the pilot of of this new show called The Following, which I'm hearing a lot of buzz for on the internet. It sounds like it could be uh, quite a promising show and maybe one certainly to give a try to. So um, I'm sure he's not listening, but Marcos, if you are, (laughs) thanks for your work on Dexter and good luck with The Following. Okay, let's get stuck into the review and recap. Here we go. opening shot this episode. Deb and Dexter coming out of the lift into the office. Dexter with his hands behind his back, looking a lot like he could be handcuffed and Deb holding him. A bit of foreshadowing maybe? We see he's actually dragging something across the floor before he realises he's dreaming. Obviously. (laughs) He's pulling a bloody body behind him. It's Jimenez who he of course killed last episode. Dexter wakes up and we see he's nodded off in Rita's front garden. He stayed there all night to keep an eye out for Lila. Rita comes outside and she looks she looks quite happy that he thought enough to hang around and watch out for them. And then the kids come out and of course they want him to stay for breakfast, but Rita's face says otherwise. Dexter gives the kids a big hug all the same and I like the subtle use of music in the background here, making the moment a bit more emotional. It is sweet. I I do say this a lot, but it's sweet how the kids are drawn to Dexter. And he's come quite a way just through his relationship with them. And probably learned a fair bit about himself. There was also some very subtle acting from Michael C. Hall here too. In that brief shot of him holding the kids, an expression briefly passes his face. It looked like regret. And this is confirmed when he speaks to Rita. I'm sorry. Such regret, which is rare for me. It's not that I don't mess up, I do. Just never so stupendously. I had you and them. I had us. So much to have. And just 
should demolish it. I honestly thought I was smarter than that. Rude awakening. Lila is one of the biggest mistakes of my life. Means a lot to me, Dexter. It doesn't change the fact you slept with another woman. I can't forget that. I don't expect you to. I just wanted to say it. Big moment for Dexter there. We've never seen him speak like this before. He really is genuine, and I think it surprised him, his feelings. The regret and guilt he's experiencing. It's another major step in his journey. And wasn't that great delivery from Hall there? Very nicely done and some good writing. As he leaves to go back to the cabin, remember he's still got to clear up the <laughs> him and Ezzy's body, Dexter notices a parked car not too far up the road and someone watching him. Not Dokes, so he assumes it's Feds, thinking his bad interview with Lundy might have put him in the shortlist for being the Bay Harbour Butcher. So he opts to go to work, taking the cautious route, when otherwise he might have gone to the cabin, taken a sickie from work and cleaned up Jimenez. We briefly see Dokes heading to the airport. Of course, he pretty much has the smoking gun to nail Dexter, but he's heading off somewhere now, and you have to wonder why he doesn't just turn in the evidence. I suppose the search was illegal, and the evidence wouldn't be admissible, but he could surely get around that somehow, use his imagination. We do know his vendetta against Dexter is now personal, so that might explain his actions now. We jump to Deb and Lundy, sharing an intimate moment in bed. He wants to be open about their relationship back at the office. He doesn't think being sneaky about it is a good idea. Deb's not so sure, but before they can finish, the phone rings and Lundy leaps out of bed to get dressed, and we get, well, <laughs> quite a gratuitous shot of his bare ass. Now, <laughs> I should say that I'm in no way a prude about nudity on TV. Let's face it, I'm watching the old prison show Oz at the moment, and that has that has more naked willies than you can shake a stick at. And, to be honest, for a man of a more mature age, <laughs> Keith Carradine looks in decent shape. Hey, maybe he insisted on a butt shot to show off his buns. <laughs> but the call. It sounds like there's movement on the butcher case, but Lundy just rushes off and doesn't tell Deb anything. Very odd when she's involved with the case herself which made me wonder if the movement has to do with which police officer they suspect of being the butcher, a card Lundy might want to keep close to his chest. In the office, Dexter's surprised to hear the news that Lundy's shut out Miami PD from the task force after the revelation that they think the butcher is one of them. Dexter looks concerned, understandably. Lundy's brought more feds in, and they feel sure that something significant has broken this morning. Dexter looks worried as Deb walks in, Batista gets in a jibe about being Lundy's pet, to which she responds in typical F-word Deb fashion. We learn that Lundy's also brought in his own forensic techs who want to speak to Dexter. Masuka's really pissy about it, feeling undermined. He was supposed to be the lead forensics guy on the case, remember? In his office, Dexter finds three white-coated lab assistants wanting to help or rather wanting Dexter's help in navigating round his lab and accessing his computer. Dexter's confident they won't find anything incriminating here, so he helps them. In flashback, we see Harry talking to teenage Dexter about the code. Come on, Dex, tell me. Um, 
Make sure they deserve it. Dexter, this is life or death stuff. It's that important. Why do you think I pulled all those strings to arrange this? Dexter, now come on. Tell me. What is the number one rule? Don't get caught. And what are all the other rules for? So I don't get caught. You ready for this? They then attend an execution, the electrocution of someone. Obviously, Harry is trying to startle and frighten Dexter into fully appreciating the gravity of his situation to see just what he faces should he ever get caught. Again, another example of where Harry's questionable parenting has brought him. He's come so far down this road now, channeling and nurturing Dexter's darkness rather than try to treat it. He's... He's a pretty selfish individual, really. As a cop, he saw how the justice system could fail and bad guys could go free. Fair enough. Murderers could return to the streets to kill again. OK, we can understand that. But he's using his adopted son to do the dirty work and risk his life in the process. It's amazing, really. We've seen before how there were opportunities for Dexter to get help, and Harry actively avoided them and encouraged Dexter to avoid them too. Elsewhere. Oh, someone doing a wheel spin behind me there. Did you hear that? Elsewhere in the police office, Deb asks Lundy about the break in the case, and Lundy won't tell her. You don't want to know, he says. It makes us wonder if the suspect really could be Dexter. Naturally, Deb wouldn't want to be... Well, she wouldn't be ecstatic to know if her brother was a suspect. They're doing a nice job of ramping up the tension, leading us to think Dexter's time is running out. Plus, those bloody slides are in Dokes' pocket. There's still those to contend with. And speaking of Dokes, we cut to him, who we see has arrived in Haiti, and he goes to see an old friend, or an old acquaintance, perhaps. It sounds like this guy was a fixer for Dokes back in the old special ops days. Dokes wants him to arrange for some lab work on the blood slides. So it looks like he wants to be sure he can match these slides to some of the known victims before turning them in. You're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. police station, Dexter's taken aback when he hears a familiar laugh, although now we know she's a psycho bitch, it sounds more like a cackle. <laughs> it's Lila. She says she's come in to see Batista, who's employed her as a decorator. He is looking like the cat who's got the cream, <laughs> and as Dexter tries to warn him off, it's apparent that Batista is not too interested in any actual decorating. Lila's all flirty and a group of them arrange to go for beers, making thinly veiled remarks, Lila is, about letting secrets slip when she's had a few drinks. And Dexter doesn't miss this. He's got a problem here. The subtle threat is there, and he can't risk her adding to his already growing list of problems. She doesn't realise exactly who she's messing with, but he can't just kill her. She doesn't fit the code. Dexter chooses to go with them to the bar, where everyone apart from Dexter enjoys themselves, telling rude jokes as Lila has them all eating out of the palm of her hand, especially Batista, who's like a little puppy dog. 
<laughs> but when she goes to the toilet, Dexter takes the chance to talk to her. Even though we know she's crazy and poses a danger to Dexter, Rita and the kids, she makes some good points that are hard to argue with and she really does seem to understand him, as we've noted throughout the season. She doesn't know he's a serial killer, of course, but she knows about his mask and his addiction. Dexter warns her off again before they get disturbed and that's the conversation over. Afterwards, Batista gives Lila a lift with a wink to Dexter. Oh dear. <laughs> with the feds following him in their car, Dexter's paranoia kicks in again and he rushes home to check on the hidden bloodslides. Lundy found my slides. It's over. I love the use of the dolly zoom technique here. It's the use of camera zoom while moving the camera towards or away from the subject. It was first developed for the Hitchcock film Vertigo and Spielberg famously used it in Jaws. It's used to nice effect here, creating that sort of head-swimming feeling Dexter must be experiencing. It's unsettling on the eye as a viewer. Pretty effective, I thought. Dexter looks terrified, like a startled rabbit in the headlights. He shuts the aircon just a split second before Deb walks in, and he spins around like a child caught with his hand in the cookie jar by his mum. His face is an absolute picture, bewildered, maybe terrified, if Dexter can feel true terror. He, like he's not knowing what to do, his head is visibly spinning. They have a brief conversation and then there's a knock at the door. The feds are there to pick up Dexter at Lundy's request. Oh God, clearly Dexter thinks this is it. I'm sorry, Deb, he says as he leaves. Another nice camera technique used here with a fixed camera sort of attached to Michael C. Hall, maybe strapped to his waist, pointing up at his face. So we see the motion of his walk. Kind of the sort of thing you get motion sickness from if it went for too long. It gives an almost dreamlike effect, like when you try to run in a dream and it's like you're stuck in treacle. At least that's the sort of feeling it gave me. Deb's phone goes off and she announces she'll be right behind him. They're all getting called in, she says. This great sequence continues into the car, sitting between the feds, the image intercut with flashback views of teenage Dexter watching the execution. Dexter himself thinking ahead to his own inevitable appointment with the chair. He talks in voiceover about the inevitable pain for Deb when she understands who her brother really is. The horror for Rita. Tears from the children. They arrive at the office. Everyone there seemingly looking at him. And he's led to Lundy's office where Lundy and Matthews are there. And I should just point out, if you've not heard the David Zayas interview from back in April, this was the sequence that stuck out in, in his mind as his favourite all-time moment from the Dexter series. My old friends here to betray me. Please sit down. I'm sure that you heard we have a suspect in the Bay Harbor Butcher case. Put him on. We now have the evidence to back it up. We need answers. Now. Open it.
Explain it to us. Trophies. That's what I thought. What happens now? I know this will come as a shock to you, Morgan, but our primary suspect is someone you know well. Sergeant James Dokes. Sergeant Dokes? The relief must be enormous, but at the same time, surprised that Dokes is the number one suspect. As the conversation proceeds, Dexter realises that Dokes fits their profile. Abusive father, something we didn't know about him. Dokes being a trained assassin in special ops. Excessive force citations, on-the-job shootings. The feds learned that Dokes had left the country and they got a warrant to search his apartment and car. The slides were in his car, so now Dexter knows who took the slides. As he says aloud, it makes so much sense. Matthews notes that everyone else in the department was shocked to hear about Dokes. Why not Dexter? And it's great how Dexter uses Dokes' own words to explain this. I always sense there was something off, like he's hiding in plain sight, he says. Lundy and Matthews know about Dokes having a problem with Dexter, and it's revealed that Lundy had a car follow him as protection in case Dokes came after him. So that explains that one. Oh, the irony. <laughs> Dexter's given the job of analysing his own blood slides and matching them to the victims. Dexter muses how Dokes peeked behind his curtain and ended up in the line of fire. I wonder if Lila will end up the same. She seems to be headed that way. LaGuerta's phone rings. It's Dokes, assuring her that he didn't do this. She wants to help him and suggests that he turn himself in. She doesn't believe he's guilty, and you can see her getting emotional about it. I do wonder if maybe they were more than partners at one time, more than just friends. I can't remember now if that's ever been mentioned in the show, or whether they've just always been close friends and nothing more. Just something that occurs to me. Dokes thanks her for being there and says how much it means to him. It's pretty touching really and I do honestly feel so sorry for him. He's a pretty decent man and a good police officer. I should also mention the nice performance from Lauren Velez here, tearing up on the phone. Good stuff. But Doke says he can't come in, there's stuff he needs to do. Back in his lab, Dexter starts work and wipes the slide box down. It should be covered in his own prints after all. In voiceover he muses that the code says not to hurt the innocent and Dokes is innocent, yet at the same time the number one rule from Harry, don't get caught. So he's got to make sure that when Dokes eventually turns up, Dexter's story is better. As Dexter finishes the first stage of his work, the three federal, federal, <laughs> federal lab techs from before come in. They're all sweetness and light now, and all smiles and are falling over themselves to help. They'd been pretty morose and kind of grumpy and officious before and it's funny to see Dexter taking full advantage and giving them a fool's errand to do guarding and monitoring the blood samples for 12 hours Dexter goes to leave but gets collared by Batista who wants to make sure Dex doesn't have a problem with him seeing Lila Dex warns him that he's being used but Batista doesn't care bless him he says no one's used him for good or bad since his divorce yeah thinking about it there was the divorce the stabbing back in season one by Brian Moser, and now this stuff with Dokes. 
Batista's happy to have the attention of a hot girl, even if she is just using him to get at Dexter. I can see his point, but Dexter feels Batista is missing the real point. She's not a solution, she's a problem. It's a rare season 2 character moment for Batista. He had more character stuff in season 1, so I'm happy to get something now. And you can see his point of view here. He is a man after all. Meanwhile, we find that Lundy's planning on issuing a statement to the press to say that Dokes is wanted for questioning. LaGuerta takes exception to this and talks to him about it. Special Agent Lundy? You giving Dokes to the press? Best way to bring him in. If you publicly accuse him... I'm not accusing anyone. Dokes is wanted for questioning, and that's what my press release says. It'll still destroy him. He's doing a fine job of destroying himself without my help. He is not your man. He is, however, my prime suspect. Look. I'm willing to work with you on this. But only if you let me take lead with the media. Lieutenant, I am not letting you anywhere near the media. He may be your ex-partner. He may be your best friend. What he is to me is a suspect. So you deal with that however you need to. And you will give me your complete cooperation. Or you may find yourself out of a job. Okay, so she's sticking up for her friend here and trying to limit the damage it's going to cause him. We can't really blame her, but I like this little exchange. It showed that Lundy can be tough. He'll make tough choices for the good of the case. But it's also a nice character moment for LaGuerta being loyal to a friend. Honestly, she's not really been a bitch for a while, so I like this bit here, her sticking up for dokes. Outside, Dexter's sitting in the back of a car, flanked by feds when Rita calls. She goes for broke and tells him she still has feelings for him. He reciprocates. They agree to meet and talk, but of course it's a bit tough for Dexter at the moment to make any arrangements with all that's going on, and of course there's the minor detail of him needing to go back to the cabin. They hang up the phone and both smile, having agreed to meet the next day. It's nice, isn't it? I want them to get back together, don't you? They're good for each other. I know there are Rita haters out there, but I wonder how much of that is simply because she's an obstacle in the way of Dexter doing what he has to do. Really, really, she's not done anything wrong, but be human. <laughs> And she and the kids are so good for Dexter's personal quest for becoming human. Dexter and the feds get to his apartment. They're keeping watch on the place, which would cause Dexter difficulty in doing what he has to do next. But he gets out via the bathroom window and heads to the Everglades to deal with the body of Jimenez. He takes his boat because his car is in view of the feds. I bet Jimenez is getting a bit ripe now, so <laughs> I don't envy Dexter's little job. Back at Miami PD, LaGuerta grabs Deb to see if she can work on Lundy and get him to hold back from putting dokes on the news. Deb won't do it though, and the rush of blood to her head causes her to blurt out about sleeping with Lundy, so that's that cat out of the bag. We cut back to Dexter, loading up his boat with black bags. Out of the blue, dokes appears, pointing a gun at him. How'd you find me? GPS tap on your boat. Jesus Christ, Morgan. Jesus fucking Christ, you're the Bay Harbor Butcher. I really hate that name. Jesus Christ, man. He said that. I always knew there was something with you. But this shit? What can I say? You were right about me. I never held it against you. I don't know. My buddies thought I was crazy for becoming a cop. 
I had skills. I could have written my own ticket. And lately, I thought they might have been right. But this, <laughs> this makes it all worth it. I'm happy for you. Shut the fuck up. Let's get this over with. Put them on. Morgan, you're done. Give it up. Would you, in my position? I wouldn't be in your position, you sick fuck. You sure about that? You might want to check with Lundy. Hey, you shoot me, who'll prove your innocence? Maybe I'll just kneecap you. It's a great moment of tension. One that started building as far back as episode one, season one. Like Doak says, he knew something was up with Dexter, but he never thought he'd turn out to be a serial killer. Imagine his surprise. I remember the first time I saw this scene, which would probably be about four years ago now. No, longer than that. When did this air? 2007? Yeah, it must be five years ago. But when I first saw it, I was so excited. The tension was enormous. How's Dexter going to get out of this? But he does. He puts on the cuffs and then charges Dokes and they fall into the water where Dexter chokes him out. However, Dex takes a bullet to the leg. Oh, bugger! I remember thinking first time of watching, Oh no, he's not going to get out of this. He's been shot in the leg. He's not going to explain that away very easily. But at the time, I didn't know there was going to be a season three. It was back in the days when I, I certainly didn't look for TV show news on the internet and certainly no spoilers. So for all I knew, this could be it. It definitely made my first watch of Dexter all the more impactful and effective. Dokes wakes up in a cage in the cabin and he calls out to Dexter, who's standing outside. Morgan, you're going to have to kill me. Of course, Dexter can't simply kill him. He doesn't fit the code, yet he can hardly let him go, can he? What the hell's he going to do? And that question will have to be left unanswered for this episode as we go to black and the credits. So, I like that episode. I thought that was pretty good. Two sequences of great tension and suspense and some very effective production techniques. Credit to director Marcos Siega and the rest of the creative team. We've got a quarter of the season left and things have obviously come to a head with Dokes while Lila continues to be a threat in the background this episode. But in both cases, Dexter doesn't have a clear way out. How's he going to deal with these two big problems? And then there's the minor detail of the fresh bullet wound in his leg. The only silver lining at the moment is Rita admitting that she still has feelings for him, so it looks like reconciliation is on the cards there. So, we've still got three episodes left of the season and plenty of time for things to happen. And this episode did a good job of positioning the pieces for the season's endgame. Listener Feedback got an email and a voicemail to go through in a moment but first I just wanted to give just a, a word of thanks to some new iTunes reviews that have appeared. As I've said in the past if uh, you feel like supporting the podcast in a small way uh, you can always leave a review 
and hopefully a five-star rating on iTunes. It does help the podcast's ranking on iTunes and just puts the word out there that, um, you know, I might be doing, at, at best, mediocre things on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, it's nice. It's, it's always good to um, hear what you guys think and, um, and go through your reviews on iTunes. It, it does give me... Um, a nice warm fuzzy feeling when a, a new good review gets put on there. Uh, so thanks very much everyone who have done so in the past. And thanks to these new ones who I have spotted since I last did one of these little uh, segments of, of thanks. Casper in Denmark. Ryan Spencer. Brago24601. Hunter Langley. Mark Mark. Matta Gray. Linda Bennett. And Dave Gell. Thanks everybody. Okay. On to the email first. Uh, this one comes from J.D. Hawley, who I think, forgive me if I'm wrong, <laughs> I'm thinking this is Danielle Hawley, who has um, uh, put comments on the Facebook page in the past. Um, she emails to say, definitely another great episode. She's obviously talking about season two, episode nine, Resistance is Futile. She goes on to say, I think season two is possibly my favourite. I really do enjoy Dexter's realisation that he's not as emotionless as he has himself believe. When he thinks he has been caught out by Lundy, you can see the despair, and he has to confront the fact that he's about to lose not just his life, but relationships that meant more to him than he ever thought possible. In regards to Harry, I'm starting to think that his intentions were more sinister than I thought on first watch. Harry's rule number one, don't get caught, may have meant more than just keeping Dexter alive. Dexter cleans up the scum that Harry couldn't, but secretly secretly may have wanted to. Taking Dexter to an execution was possibly excessive, an extremely confronting way to get his message across to a still young and impressionable mind. Thanks very much for that. That was a great email. You use a word there that I wish I'd used in my review, uh, describing Dexter when he thought he was... This was it. He's been caught by Lundy. And that's despair. That's a good word to describe the look on his face. It was... Well, we can have a guess at what emotions he was feeling, but I don't think he would have recognised them. Maybe he's, he's probably not been in this position ever. And uh, as you say there, he's surprising himself perhaps at realising some of these relationships and the effect that his capture... Uh, the effect that it's going to have on these people that... Yes these people that he cares about. And then you mention Harry. Yeah, he... Uh, oh. <laughs> we've said it before, we've questioned, seriously questioned his... well, the morality of what he's doing. For all intents and purposes, he's Dexter's dad. Dexter is his son. And he pretty much thought of him as such. They thought of each other as such, in those terms. And we've questioned multiple times the ethics of what Harry did when clearly this was a troubled boy and at the risk of treading old ground here <laughs> repeating uh, things that we've said before um, he could have sought help for Dexter and he didn't he used him plain and simple used him to do the things that he couldn't in his capacity as a police officer and I think you're right things that Harry may have secretly wanted to see certain people brought to justice in a very permanent and lethal way and Dexter was his um was his hand really i mean as i'm as i'm doing these rewatches 
it's my feelings towards Harry personally are, are growing more and more negative. What what god awful parenting? Just terrible. What he put this child through and what how different his life could have been so easily, so easily. It wouldn't have taken much in those early years to have done something about it and helped him, help this poor boy. Oh, God. Harry Morgan, you've got a lot to answer for. Crikey. Mind you, without him, we wouldn't have had a TV show, would we? <laughs> no, I shouldn't be flippant. You know what I, you know what I mean, though, with Harry. And uh, we'll talk about him again, I'm sure. Okay, we've got an email, uh, a voicemail, sorry, now from our good friend Travis. Dang, they went down, Gareth. It happened. Oh, uh, just no turning back. It happened. Dokes caught Dexter in the act. Well, he caught Dexter in, in a act, in an act. Uh, he didn't catch him murdering someone, but, yo, I mean, come on, let, yo, let's not pussyfoot around this. Dokes knows now. Oh, boy, does he know. Oh, dang. I remember the first time I watched this. Yeah, I mean, I think I probably had the same thought everyone else did. Same thought I had when Dokes found Dex's blood slides. It was just like, oh, dude, they can't go back. How? I mean, how can they go back where, you know, they can't, it's never going to be the same. So, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm thinking when Dokes, catch, when, uh, Dokes catches Dex, um, I remember thinking, oh, damn. So, so I was assuming Dokes was going to die. Like, okay, Dokes has got to die. You know, I remember trying to, to rationalize something in my head. Like, okay, well, maybe they could broker some kind of deal. Maybe they're going to come to some understanding. You know, I don't know. Uh, I remember at the time, th they hadn't renewed Dexter for more seasons. So, I remember... At the time, there actually was a real threat. Like, maybe maybe Dex is going to get caught by the FBI. Uh, you know, who knows? And I guess I won't say whether or not he does, because that will be a spoiler in this spoiler-free podcast. But I believe most people probably know the answer to that question, uh, considering here we are like five years out from, from this episode, and we still have Dexter the TV show. But at any rate... Uh, it was just crazy. I love Dokes. I love Dex. And here they are just confronting each other. Oh, damn. It's too my My heart can't take it. I thought it was a really cool scene. You know, really funny when Dex gets brought in and he thinks he's been caught and he's about to, you know, admit it and whatnot. And then, you know, of course, they, they say that the, their suspect is James Dokes. I remember, I'm going to sound like an asshole when I say this. And anybody can say this. But I remember I had predicted this would happen back when it was airing. I remember the week before when Dokes found the blood slides. I remember I was on the phone with my girlfriend during that the week between the episodes and we were talking and it just struck me like, holy shit, Dokes is going to be the butcher. Because, uh, yeah, it just made sense. Like, Dokes found the slides and Dokes had been really erratic and Dokes had mentioned that his father was a butcher. And so I remember just thinking, like, this is how it's going to go down. And I thought that was really ingenious. And it seems like that's the path that's going down. Or is it? Hey, no spoilers from me, man. Spoiler-free podcast, rewatch podcast. You know how it goes. Uh, besides that, um, Lila's still really clingy. Man, I don't like her with, with my boy Angel. You know, man, she's just bad news. <sighs> she's got to get got. You know what I'm saying, man? She, something's got something's to gotta give with her, man. She, she ru almost ruined Dex's life. She's trying to ruin Angel's life now. What's going on? And I did appreciate that Rita wanted Dex back. Uh, and that, then that just warmed your, the cockles of your heart. Yeah, uh, looks like Rita and Dex are getting back together. But, you know, for how long? Who knows? If Dex gets caught by the FBI, 
it's not going to be much of a relationship, is it? I believe it's in this episode that uh, that the Coda Harry is sort of retconned. Uh, if you remember back in like seasons prior or the prior season, in season one, the Coda Harry was essential. I believe the first rule that was laid out by Dexter was be sure, you know, be sure that the person is deserving. Be sure that uh, you're not going to get caught and all that crap. In this episode, they kind of retconned it to be don't get caught. First rule of code: don't get caught. And this is uh, something that pretty much sticks as the no one rule for the rest of the series. And of course, don't get caught. Yeah, that's a good goal. But there's something that's always bothered me about that. Like that's not a rule. If you say like the first rule is. It'd be like saying the first rule of basketball is win the game. Like, you can't get penalized by the referee for not winning. You're not breaking any rules by not winning. So, uh, yeah, like, don't get caught is, like, the end. And, like, the rules should be the means. I don't know. I guess it's some semantics. I know it's so important for Dexter not to get caught. So, it essentially means do whatever you need to do to not get caught, including breaking the other rules, I guess. But... I know that always bothered me because I always like the original code is like a be sure and uh, don't be a dick. Uh, don't. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, um, also then there's just two other things I like to point out. Uh, just like in the prior episode, Dexter has some magic teleporting abilities. It seems. Uh, I remember in the bar scene, you know, Lila is flirting around at the bar, and then she goes into the girls' restroom, and we watch her go into the girls' restroom, into like the only entrance into the girls' restroom. And then suddenly Dexter's there before her. Just like when he, when Dexter got into the, uh, the cabin before Jimenez did in uh, the last episode. Dexter just... I, does he have instant transmission ability and we don't know about this? I don't know. Uh, and then finally, okay, I have to be careful what I say here because I don't want to give spoilers. But just take note of the fact that there's a, there's a line Dexter has when he's thinking to himself about going to the cabin. He says something like, Oh, I don't got to worry about the cabin. No one's going to break into the cabin because it's basically a bunker. Dexter thinks the cabin is a bunker. So I'm not going to say anything, but just remember that because I'm going to bring this up in like another podcast or two. All right. So don't forget. Thanks, Travis. Always a pleasure, my friend. Now, it's funny. Your thoughts there echoed mine insofar as with the discovery of the blood slides and Dokes confronting Dexter like that. It seemed, well, it, it seemed like a point of no return. It's like, is Dexter, can Dexter come back from this? It's a game changer. I I think I said in my review, I, when I watched this first time round, I didn't know whether the show had been renewed or not. It was in the days when I was just starting to get into serialised US drama. So I wasn't, I just wasn't savvy about how it works, about renewals and cancellations. Shows would would come and go shows would appear I'd watch them enjoy them and then they'd stop and I wasn't in the know about TV news and what studios were producing and why and as I say about renewals and cancellations it just wasn't something that I was tuned into so as far as I knew this this could have been it this could have been the end of Dexter and I remember thinking where can the show go from here beyond season two is this the end of his story is this just coming to a natural end I was a lot more naive, I suppose, um, back then, but it did allow me to become fully emotionally invested without having my ear to the ground and knowing that the show's already been renewed for another season, and then you know that Dex is not going to die. 
it's, it's the same with any show, I suppose, a show that gets renewed. Uh, you know that your main character isn't going to die. Uh, in, in the current season, you know they're going to survive. So it, you know, if, if they do find themselves in any sort of uh, mortal danger, you know they're going to survive. You know they'll be all right. Or at least we'll live to breathe another day. Uh, what else should you talk about? The code. I mean, we could be talking semantics here about don't get caught. But I take your point. Comparing uh, comparing this to a sport where the number one number one rule you mentioned basketball the number one rule would be rule number one win the game. <laughs> I take your irony, but you're quite right to make the point. And I guess I don't know whether this is the, a, an example of the writers maybe thinking better of the code and thinking perhaps this would be a better way of of laying it out. Could you call the code a set of rules? I suppose it is. Um, I thought of them initially as guidelines, uh, tenets, if you like, for, for Dexter to follow, to help himself not get caught, help himself stay off the radar, and channel channel his, uh, well, we've called them dark urges, channel his dark passenger in a controlled way. I suppose we can forgive the writers if they are guilty of a bit of uh, a bit of retcon here. It's certainly not unusual for a show, and of course we like our favourite shows to be robust and rock solid. But hey, what show hasn't been hasn't had the odd hole here or there that you might be able to pry open and and pick at? And you, your last point there was about Dexter uh, teleporting to the toilet <laughs> to confront Lila. Uh, you did bring up a similar point last time with Jimenez in the cabin, and I, I think I put that one. I think I was able to explain that one in the last podcast. But in this episode, I rewatched the scene, and I can put this one to bed because Lila is actually seen coming out of one of the stalls, one of the cubicles, and depending on what she was doing in there, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't see a magazine in her hand or anything, but, you know, she might have been a few minutes, giving Dexter time to get in there and wait for it to come out. So I think we have to find them not guilty of bad continuity there. I, I think I can safely say Dexter did not magically teleport into the room. Um, Lila was coming out of the toilet and, and not going into the toilet as Dexter was already in there, if you know what I mean. Uh, so I think they're OK. All right. Well, thanks for your feedback, guys. Um, if you want to leave me a voicemail, you can. In the US, the phone number is 646-222-6122. That's 646-222-6122. And that number is also accessible internationally if, you, if you're not in the US and still want to leave a voicemail. In the UK, the number is 0844-579-6949. And you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. Alternatively, as Travis does, you can send me a voicemail via the medium of voice recordings. If you've got an iPhone or want to record your voice on your computer or whatever, record an MP3 and email it to me. You're very welcome. Or just a straight email. The address is dissectingdexter at gmail.com. There's Twitter at dissectdexter and my personal Twitter at gareth underscore UK. There's also the Facebook page. Hop onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter and Bob's your uncle. Before we move on, quick plug for the podcast sponsor, Audible. For the discerning listeners of Dissecting Dexter, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And in doing so, you will be supporting the podcast. 
Isn't that great? Hey, <laughs> want a suggestion for something to try? Well, it's not serial killer related, but it might be something some listeners would be interested in checking out. Okay, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but why not see what all the fuss is about and download, wait for it, Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James. There's a trilogy of books, and all three are at Audible to download as remastered editions. It's an erotic, amusing and moving story about a man and a woman who gets involved in a passionate affair that gets all dark and daring. It might not be for everyone, but it's got to be worth a punt to see if it's worth the hype. So, if you fancy this, or any one of Audible's catalogue of over 100,000 titles, hop over to audibletrial.com slash dexter. Sign up for a free 30-day trial and download a free audiobook for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or generic MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash dexter. And support the podcast in the process. Thanks very much. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode is Season 2, Episode 10, and it's called There's Something About Harry. So, the story is nicely poised as we start to approach the turn into the home straight on the season. Dexter, he's in a bit of a pickle on two fronts. Problems in the form of Dokes and Lila, neither of whom he can just go ahead and kill, yet both are big liabilities. He can hardly let Dokes go now, while Lila's running around teasing Dexter with what she knows and flirting with Batista, who's, oh, he's like a pathetic bowl of jelly in the presence of those legs, isn't he? (laughs) What a puppy dog. We know she must have an agenda for getting involved with our good friend Angel, but is it more than a feeble attempt to make Dexter jealous? And I don't think Dexter will indulge you there with the jealousy thing. The episode title... There's something about Harry. That intrigues me. The obvious theory is that we learn something new about Harry. Wow, that's a stretch, I know. (laughs) But I like how they, initially in the series, showed Harry to be someone with a conscience, taking Dexter in as a small boy, feeling guilty over Laura Moses' murder. And it was quite a commitment to adopt him. But slowly we've realised that he's used this vulnerable, messed up and traumatised boy as basically a tool of destruction, wiping out the killers let loose by uh, a flawed justice system. I mean, these are things we've said about Harry before on the podcast, but maybe next time we'll have some new information to dig into. And I'm looking forward to that. And another thought about where we are with the story... Deb and Lundy are well involved and have a very sweet relationship. But we mustn't forget that he's only in Miami for the Bay Harbor Butcher case. And now they have a number one suspect in Dokes. It could be that the clock's ticking on the day that Lundy wraps things up and leaves town. How will this prospect sit with Deb, who's of late, she's had someone reliable to lean on and now faces the fact that Lundy's going to be leaving soon, in all probability. Okay, that wraps up another Dissecting Dexter. 
Now, I'm recording this on the, or I'm uploading this on the 9th of July 2012. Uh, so, for some of you who listen to this, it may, this, this last plug may be <laughs> slightly out of date. Uh, but it's uh, July the 12th that I'm speaking with Josh Cook. So, as I said at the beginning, if you've got any questions you want me to ask him on your behalf, then drop me a line to the usual email address or via Twitter or on one of the listener lines and I'll be happy to try and incorporate it into our conversation which I'm very much looking forward to so watch out for that probably in probably in about a week's time I'll get that uploaded all being well right so I'm going to get going thanks very much for listening thanks for your feedback and your support and your iTunes reviews it means a lot to me and spurs me onwards to uh, keep going and and enjoy this rewatch and I am enjoying it and I, I hope you guys are too Right, that's it. I'm off. Thanks very much, everybody, and I'll speak to you soon, and we'll dissect some more Dexter before too long, I hope. Take care. Bye for now.